<laughs> I like you. You go first. Critics and audiences agree. The most spectacular movie this summer hits you like a shot in the heart. You're 17 years old. You don't have an ex-boyfriend? That's shocking. Like that. Amy, you're absolutely beautiful. Oh my god, no. Pitch perfect. Brilliant. I think it's good to have dreams, don't you? It has breakout written all over it. Based on the New York Times bestseller. I love these people. I do. I love these people. I love you all. The Spectacular Now. In select theaters August 16th. Welcome to the House of Cinema podcast. And in the house today, we are continuing on to our second week of A24 films and A24 celebration. All of April, we are talking about A24 films and everything we love about them. Joining me once again, three weeks in a row, Nate from All Things Reviewed. Nate, how are you feeling today? Jumping into our second A24 movie, a little bit different from Good Time. We're talking about The Spectacular Now. Yes, I am. I'm feeling great, Joe. You know, here for the triple crown of uh, <laughs> guest features here, the three-peat, you know. But yeah, I'm I'm very excited to discuss this film. I, I saw it pretty close to when it came out, like 2015. I got it cheap, I think at like a garage sale on a Blu-ray in my neighborhood. Somebody was selling it and I watched it and it like, it really impacted me even though i it didn't impact me as much as it does say now when I can look back on my high school life uh, yeah, with, yeah. you know, out of college now. So I'll be very honest and don't take this the wrong way at all. But, you know, you're a smart guy. You like movies you like film. When I heard that you love this movie, it did catch me off guard slightly. I mean, <laughs> we just spent the past two weeks talking about how much we love heat and how much we love good time. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I love the spectacular now. I'm like, whoa, you love this romance <laughs> teenage drama? I do too. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure we'll get into a lot today about why you love it and why I love it. But um, I'm also very excited to kind of take a, a left turn from the thriller crime dramas and jump into the romance teenage dramas that is uh, A24 movies. Yeah, it's a bit of a detour, but yeah, not, I guess, uh a typical choice maybe of something that I like. I, I like to say that I enjoy all different genres of film and we can, we probably will talk about this a little bit later, but I know kind of the public consensus of this is kind of just as a run of the mill teen drama. And I really don't agree with that. I think there's a lot to love with this film and to respect in terms of like the filmmaking uh, with it as well. So I'll, I'll save that for later, but yeah, I've, I've liked it since it's came out and my appreciation of it has actually like just increased with every rewatch um kind of like good time but except i like this one from the start but now i can see more into why i like it so much as opposed to say yeah another random uh teen drama film that like uh the fault in our stars which also had shailene woodley around this time yeah 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 um or something like that which i do not enjoy at all and something like this, which I love. It's totally weird because I've seen that argument that this is your run-of-the-mill teenage drama, you know, rom romantic story. And I'd like you was caught off guard by that because I don't see this movie as your run-of-the-mill cliche romantic drama at all. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so let's save a lot of this because I know we're going to talk about it more in detail. Let's jump into the spectacular now. And now, our feature presentation. Released August 2nd of 2013, 
directed by James Ponsolt, who also directed The End of Tour, another A24 movie that I actually haven't seen, but I've heard some good things about it. It has, it has good ratings. I've never seen it myself either. Same, same. My fiance vouches for it, though. She says okay. it's pretty good. And The Circle, which uh, I did not see, but I've heard is not good. Dog That's crap. Emma Watson, <laughs> Tom Hanks one, right? And John Boyega for a little bit. Oh, weird. Yeah, oh, uh, I know it's like some like sci-fi, like, oh, the AI system is watching you, <laughs> maybe? Let's just say uh, it's not worth your time. <laughs> okay. I'll well, be nice. Yeah, I'll be I, nice. <laughs> I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, like, this doesn't look good. And then it came out, and apparently it wasn't good. So mm-hmm. I definitely saved myself some hours by not watching it. Yeah. So surprisingly... This cast is loaded. I, I did not oh expect goodness. to write this amount of names down. I'm not going to lie. But here we go. Miles Teller as Sutter Keeley. Uh, Shailene Woodley as Amy Finicky. Brie Larson as Cassidy mm-hmm. Roy. Jennifer Jason Lee as Sarah Keeley, the mother to Sutter mm-hmm. Keeley. She was just in Good Time. You did mention she's an yep. 824 like, regular man. darling. <laughs> and a regular. Yeah. So here she is again. Kyle Chandler, everybody's favorite movie dad. Mm-hmm. plays tommy keely maybe not favorite in this movie I'm gonna say, maybe but... not in this one but other than this <laughs> one yeah sure <laughs> yeah he plays good he usually plays a pretty good dad except in this particular movie mm-hmm. he's not mary elizabeth winstead ramona flowers herself is mm-hmm. holly keely uh andre royo uh plays mr astor who's the teacher but mm-hmm. more famously known as bubs from the wire i'm not sure if you're a wire fan but i'm a huge fan of the wire i haven't seen it and, it's on uh, my things to watch uh eventually oh so. it is it is what everybody says it is. It is fantastic. And um, Andre Royal in that mo- in that show is really, really good. Bob Odenkirk plays Dan, the, like the tuxedo suit yeah. store owner. He's the guy and, that uh, I totally forgot was in this. Like I remembered most of the cast, but when I got to Bob Odenkirk, I guess my Bob Odenkirk <laughs> uh, like level of recognition when I first saw it just uh, wasn't there. But now I was like, what? How, why is he in this? But I mean, he's good. He's really good in it. I feel like the Bob Odenkirk renaissance didn't start until like the maybe mid like 2010s. I don't know exactly when, but I feel like yeah, well, he didn't get super, super recognizable until like around this time. So I don't yeah. blame you too much. And last but not least, I wrote down Caitlin Dever, who or maybe Dever, but she was the lead in Booksmart. Mm-hmm. She was in that Netflix show um, Unbelievable. So she, this she's a really, really minor role in this movie. Yeah, not really that important, but. And you do see her, I'm like, oh, that girl is recognizable because uh, she's definitely gotten more famous than something. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think one thing, too, like why this film works so well is there isn't a single bad part. I mean, you oh, have yeah. all these people have have either been A-listers or have A-lister talent or are A-listers now or on the way to still becoming A-listers. Like t- top to bottom, the talent is fantastic. Even like you say with Caitlin Deaver, who's in... I think like two scenes and then maybe is in a third, but doesn't have any lines like, yeah, no role is wasted. And you could say somebody like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's in again, like two scenes is wasted, but I don't like to look at it that way. I mean, it leaves more of an impact on me because she brings a gravitas to this, what would be kind of a nothing part as Sutter's sister, but because one, she's a great actress and two, she has that recognizability, like, she has like an air of importance. Uh, same with Sutter's mom played by Jennifer Jason Lee. I love that you said that because I also agree. I think there is not a single role in this movie, even as minor as Caitlin Deaver's character. Mm-hmm. I feel like every role plays 
really pivotal part in this movie and on Sutter's life Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where it's like, I'm so glad that every role is played by somebody who's either an A-lister, was an A-lister, or going to be an A-lister because it does have a greater effect for me as I'm watching. Uh, Other than that, budget of $2.5 million, box office score $6.9 million. Mm -hmm. Not bad, not bad. Modestly successful. Exactly. Rotten Tomatoes. 91% 91% critic score, 76 audience score, consensus. The Spectacular now is an adroit, and I had to look up the word adroit, which I told you, but <laughs> this is what the consensus says. The Spectacular now is an adroit, sensitive film that avoids typical coming-of-age story trappings. So this kind of directly addresses what we were talking about in the beginning mm-hmm. of the podcast, that there are some critics out there, or some people who say, it's just your run-of-the-mill story. It does feel like the critics disagreed. Audience score was 76%. Your thoughts on these two scores? Yeah, so um, definitely agree with the critical score. Um, I think that's just about where the film deserves to be. It earns that rating. And while I obviously love this film, so I think the 76% from the audience is a little low, but I do think it actually makes a ton of sense based on how this film was marketed and who's in Mm -hmm. it. So if you go back to 2013, there was another big movie that Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley were in called Divergent, which is um, very much not what The Spectacular (laughs) Now is, but it was kind of, you know, to a lesser extent than obviously the Hunger Games franchise, which, you know, launched Jennifer Lawrence and all that. They were launching Shailene Woodley and Miles Teller. And so you have this very young adult, you know, 11 to probably like 15 group of teens that want to see this movie and then it's it's one it's rated r so a lot of them probably weren't even able to and two it is so much not like and then like i mentioned before the fault in our stars which had shailene woodley the year before that it's almost kind of actively working against the like 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 the critics said the trappings of teen romances it it's not like a, a criticism of those but it's from a minimalist lens like there's nothing over the top about it and so um the fact that it's so methodical and i don't want to say intellectual sound like a pretentious douche but (laughs) no i think that's a really good point yeah it's just so uh thoughtful and methodical with its story and with its characters that i feel like it just the age of the people that probably wanted to go see it just weren't ready for it yet well nate don't worry i did some extra work for you and i pulled some of the audience reviews ah. from Tomatoes. So <laughs> I was interested in that. So better perspective. You know, I really want to get into the minds of these people mm-hmm. and find out, okay, 76%, that's not great, it's not bad. Let's find out why they didn't yeah. like it. Well, let me tell you, Mike C from, I don't know where, just Mike C, mm-hmm. he says Brie Larson was terrible in this film, so he gave it half a star. That's one reason. Mm, interesting. Um, <laughs> This this anonymous <laughs> review said these are all half star reviews by the way. I'm okay. Not <laughs> this anonymous person said, "Turn it off. Couldn't get through the stupid movie. Don't waste your time. Good cast. Such a shame they even bothered with this piece of crap. Wish I could give it zero stars." Mm. Okay, that's, that's one other very uh, you gotta love point uh, of view. Rotten Tomatoes commenters giving they're on the level of like iTunes commenters where the review is just <laughs> I liked it or it was yes. complete total garbage do not watch it there's yeah. no in between really I mean nope, it's nope. one or the other uh here's another one from Alex G he put okay Miles Teller 
I'm disappointed, buddy. That's all I have to say. No character development, terrible acting, and there would have been countless... (laughs) This is the best part. And there would have been countless potholes if there was even a plot to follow, but guess not. Uh, I think he means plot holes, not potholes, but regardless... (laughs) Potholes. According to Alex G., uh, Miles Teller was uh, not very good at acting in this movie, which Uh, I think is... (laughs) complete opposite of what i feel. oh my god complete opposite. The, it's funny that he says he has no character development but like literally the whole film is his character development i don't know it's, yeah that's like i said the, the, the comments about. on rotten tomatoes if you want a doom scroll that's a real cesspool of yes, <laughs> of a place really to be is. online man i i've never scrolled like the last jedi ones i've I've been too no, scared do to go through the audience. Do yeah, that. I feel like this is going to like make me upset. Okay. Yeah. There are certain films you want to stay away from, and it's anything relating to Star Wars. Stay away fair, from that. Even, even not just The Last Jedi, just anything related to Star Wars. No one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. So, Which, that's that's a you know, perfect statement. Just just avoid that. Uh, avoid, like, I don't know. Uh, I feel like even like the MCU, depending oh, on yeah. which particular movie yes. you're talking about, people yes. can get real defensive about it. Yeah. Like, uh, I've said some things about Iron Man 2 and 3, and people like are real quick to, to defend them and attack me. I'm like, whoa. All yeah, right, basically any saying. major fandom, just don't. If you want to uh, yeah. not get <laughs> pissed at every single person on the internet. Yeah. Well, anyways, those were some of the comments for the spectacular now so to kind of give you a mindset of what people thought after they saw the film but i think it is a testament to what you're saying maybe some poor marketing i mm-hmm. could see it being marketed as like yeah your teenage fault in your stars type of romantic comedy oh yeah drama. like i'll be real i kind of thought it was that because i had seen the trailer same here, same here. um i want to say the trailer was included with like the blu-ray edition of drive for some weird reason oh. because i just remember that that blu-ray had like tw- like 10 trailers and they were all a24 <laughs> films and i want to say that this was one of them because like a24 wasn't wasn't around when drive came out but like yeah it was when the blu-ray came out so i want to say yeah, the yeah, trailer yeah. was on there or something else like that an indie film i watched and i thought it looked like the fault in our stars and then uh, uh it was not that <laughs> so yeah, it was not that. I will admit, I think when my fiance and I watched this, we expected it to be, I think we turned it on. It was like, oh, it's an hour and 30-ish minute, hour 40. Um, we were fine with, you know, cheesy rom-coms every mm-hmm. once in a while, romantic drama. So we were kind of prepared for that. Yeah. And then we watched it and my fiance is crying at some point. I'm like, oh, okay, this is getting like way deeper than I thought it was going <laughs> to yeah, get. Yeah, same. In a very good <laughs> way. In a very good way. So, yeah, I could see why people would go into it expecting the fault in your stars and leaving very disappointed. So mm-hmm. let's move to the more you know. I've written down here some pretty interesting facts. I'll start off. Fact number one. This is always a fact that always interests me. This screenplay for this film was featured in the 2009 Blacklist, which is the list of most liked unmade scripts. Um, another mm. movie that I know was on this list was Prisoners when Epp came out. I know that was on a oh, list wow. of movies that people wanted to make that script, but no one yeah, had done hadn't. it for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally someone did it. So this movie was a part of that list in 2009. Pretty interesting. I could see why some studios might be hesitant to yeah. make this movie because I think, diff- for like sure. we said before, difficult to advertise because it's not your typical funny romance yeah. drama 
And and that's understandable because with the topic, like with the age of the characters in the story and, you know, the, the topics in it, like it is what a typical teen romance would be, but it that's so not the tone of what I'm assuming the script would be. And also uh, the novel that it's based on, which we'll probably talk about. I, I'll mention a little bit uh, in my facts, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You jump into your facts now. Sure. Uh, kind of just relating to what I was talking about with the, the tone of the book, too. Um, there's a lot of differences. One relates to the ending, which I'll save for when we get to the ending discussion. But so in the book, Miles Teller's character, Sutter, has diabetes. So he's always drinking soda, which so like in the film, he's always drinking this big gulp, basically every scene. However, the director, James Ponsel, uh, cut that and kind of just but he want he cut the diabetes plot, but wanted to keep him drinking out of a soda mm-hmm. uh, cup, and they basically focused more in on his alcoholism mm-hmm. and insinuated that his drinks are always spiked. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting choice, and to me, it actually works better because I think if you just throw diabetes onto it, it, it kind of I don't know. I don't want to say it loses focus, but it's just another thing to focus on. Yes, and it's hard. It's easy to do that in a book. In a book, it can work, but in a film, it's just too many like layers to this one one thing. Hundred percent agree with you on that. I think that obviously a book you have a lot more time to develop a character, to add a lot of things to this person, and a lot of detail. But in a movie, I think adding the diabetes part would have just added another layer that almost to the point where it got too melodramatic or it's almost like too much yeah um mm-hmm. and yeah there's already a lot to focus on and to add a layer of he's diabetic and that's another thing we need to look at is is maybe too mm-hmm. much so i i totally agree with making that change for this movie all right what's another one you got so i wrote down this one i'm sure i'm not sure if you wrote it down or not but the fact i wrote down was that saoirse ronan was originally offered the role of Amy mm. and Nicholas Holt was considered for the role of Sutter Keeley. Huh. That is interesting. And for those who don't know, Nicholas Holt, uh, famous for Mad Max, uh, probably more famous for playing Beast on X Men. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. The, the first class in Days of Future Past. I guess he was, he's in the the, the Great, the show on Hulu uh, with Al um, okay. Fanning, or I think it's Al Fanning. Yeah. So. Pretty interesting, though, to see Saoirse Ronan, who later would play in Lady Bird, another A24 hit. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Saoirse Ronan playing the role of Amy? And then what are your thoughts on Nicholas Holt playing the role of Sutter Yeah, Kitty? so I'll start with Nicholas Holt because I think it's the more obvious this would have been a miscast. I think Nicholas Holt is, a li- I don't want to say like prim and proper, um, just because he's like British or whatever. But <laughs> That's I exactly mean, why. I just think he's he, he's too neat. You yeah. know, his personality, obviously he plays against that in Mad Max, but that's just a totally different uh, type of film. Yeah. Um, like with this, I don't think he could sell just being like basically a frat boy uh, douche pretty much. And like, again, Miles Teller, like he 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 can sell that. And I don't know, his his persona, his personality just fits with it more. Not that he's a douchebag in real life. I don't think so <laughs> based on what I've seen, but like. I don't know, his temperament and um, his style of acting, I just think complements the role of Sutter more. Mm-hmm. Um, Cersei Ronan is probably like one of the five best <laughs> just actors period working today. I mean, she's great in everything she does. So I think she totally could have pulled off Amy, although I really like the very subdued performance and just kind of, you know, girl next door vibe that Shailene Woodley gives off. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I think both would have been good, but I definitely prefer, I think, at least in my head, the cast we got. 
Yeah, I think you kind of hit it perfectly on the head here. Nicholas Holt does scream prim and proper. Whether or not that's because he's British or not is not the point, but he does have that. He's just clean cut. He's very clean cut, and this character doesn't need to be clean cut. Yeah, this character would not work well if he was clean cut. Miles Teller definitely <laughs> has that kind of essence about him, and that maybe that's because yeah. of the roles he's played. I'm not sure if he's really he a little like bit that. of an edge. He does he have an, an edge. edge that Holt doesn't have. I've heard stories that he likes to party in San Diego a lot, so you know it, mm-hmm. it kind of works. Um, and like you said, Saoirse Ronan, definitely one of the, the top five actresses, or not even actresses, actors in general, working mm-hmm. in Hollywood now. She Whatever she does, she turns into gold. She's a phenomenal actress. So I'm sure it would have worked if she played Amy, but I agree with yeah. you a thousand percent. I think Woodley's performance is really, mm-hmm. although subtle and submissive, really, really good. That was the fact I wrote down. Any other facts you want to share before we move on? Yeah, um... My last fact is that uh, famous film critic, maybe the famous film critic, Roger Ebert, uh, this was the last film that he gave four stars uh, before he passed away. Wow. He loved this film, and you can still read his review, obviously, on his website. Um, he really praised the chemistry between Teller and Woodley, the realistic script, the minimal camera movement, and he really also this appreciated like how respectful the film captured teens and teen life. He just felt like it, he even said it was like something he had never really seen uh, in a film before. So it was one of his um, he, he named it like uh, one of his great films. So he he really liked this one. Wow. What a great fact. I'm so glad you shared that with the listeners and me because I had no idea about it. And I, I really mm-hmm. like that. I know we said it a, a few times now, the fact that it's not your typical teen drama. But I think that him loving it is kind of, again, a testament to the fact that this movie could have easily gone that direction. You know, we could have mm-hmm. seen some really cheesy montages with like, could have been a cash grab. Yeah. You know, you know, throwing some indie song and a montage and two people falling in love. Uh, hey, I would have enjoyed it, but it would have not have been mm-hmm. the movie that we watched. So no, I think there is a, an appreciation there for somebody who took the time to really, uh, for make sure. an authentic teen movie. So, We've danced around a lot of scenes a lot, so let's just jump into some of our favorite scenes. Let's I'll do start it. us off. The first scene I think we should talk about, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, is the first kiss between Sutter Keeley and Amy at the date at the party at the lake. What about uh, like ex-boyfriends? Uh, Say, we need an ex-boyfriend in there. No, I, I don't have. Who's any. like an ex-boyfriend that just like really pissed you off that you just uh, that just like you hated, and I, if they're just like I don't have an ex-boyfriend. What? Yeah. You don't have a single. You're 17 years old. You don't have an ex-boyfriend. No. Really? Sutter, guys don't look at me like that. Like, yeah, absolutely. Guys look at you like no, that. No, no, I just I... saw two guys looking at you like that. Uh, Eric Wolf and Cody Dennis no, were 100 percent we hitting talking. on you. No, no, they were talking. They were not hitting on me. No, no, there was absolutely yes, no they were. way. Why don't you think they were hitting on you? Because I'm just they weren't. Because you're what, Amy? You're absolutely beautiful. Oh my God, no. <laughs> and not so much the kiss itself, but it's what leads up to it them walking just the river party scene yes the river party scene them walking through the like woods or going on a walk in whatever part of georgia they're in Mm -hmm. and i i just there's something about their chemistry that really really works and this is the scene that pops out to me it's like the first scene i can think of where their chemistry is just firing at level 10 miles Mm -hmm. is going and woodley is going they're just perfectly bouncing off each other and it's it's a really sweet sweet moment oh yeah and i i I love so much about it 
I'm not sure if you had it on one of your favorite scenes, but any thoughts on this scene? Yeah, it's actually my favorite scene in the film uh, for a ton of reasons. So I'm glad you brought it up. I think it's actually one of the best scenes just in a teen film in general. And what I like is like how layered it is. Um, because to this point, Sutter has been seen as, you know, obviously very troubled, but as kind of sympathetic and, oh, you know, he's just trying to, you know, he's just trying to navigate his life or whatever. I feel like this scene is one of the tone shifters of the film, kind of signaling that this is going to get darker and more intense than other films in this genre. Because it begins with, you know, they've already had their meet cute and it begins with Sutter trying to get back with his ex, you know, Brie Larson. Yeah. And he's literally, he's literally like passing Amy off to other guys and trying to get back with his ex, like in front of her, which is like, it really makes you not like him, Uh which is supposed to make you not like him. And so he then kind of just, once she leaves, he takes a big swig of beer and then tries to settle with Amy, kind of signaling his kind of abusive nature and very troubled nature but then they go on this long walk and it's a single uncut shot of them walking it for it goes for almost four minutes and it's just them talking back and forth like you said their chemistry is great so then he almost wins you back over by the end of it until you then realize he's basically hammered by the end of the scene and his you know confession of love or whatever for amy didn't really come out of a place of authenticity And then it cuts to him just in bed, like, what did I do, basically? And so, like, all that together is just, there's so many layers to that. I just, I love it. It has a lot of, like, before sunrise, before sunset vibes because it does have, like, yeah, because it has that four minutes of uninterrupted edits. It's just them walking down this dirt path and they're just Mm -hmm. having a, a very real conversation. And that's what I... Yeah, I think love the most. It's because I feel like I easily could have had this conversation in high school with somebody. I, I mean, I don't know if I did. Oh yeah, word for word, but it I'm feels like, yeah really. They're authentic. talking about you know their overbearing parents, basically. At least they feel like they're overbearing and kind of breaking free of that and trying to gain some independence. And like they're seniors, so you know they're close to it. And I mean, I definitely had conversations about you know with friends about their parents, my parents, yeah, regardless yeah, of whether yeah. they were you know well-founded or not i think every teen has and it it just really works like i like like you said like very before sunrise or sunset link later-esque here and i love that it's just a small thing but because they start like right where the party scene is at the river that party scene in the background keeps going on like all the extras back there are still you know having a great time yeah and so again feels real like you're in this area with them that's the first thing i wanted to talk about what's the scene that you want to mention the next one I want to talk about is the just the meat cute of Sutter and Amy. Do you live around here, Sutter? How do you know my name? You go to the same school. You wouldn't uh, know who I am. I know you. Uh, uh. <laughs> I'm Amy. Amy Finicky. That's what I was going to say. Nice to meet you, Amy. <laughs> nice to meet you. What time is it, Amy? Uh, it's like 6 a.m.? Are you just getting back from a party or something? No, no. I'm just uh, my paper route. I mean, it's not really mine. It's my mom's, but she was out with my stepdad last night at a casino, so um, they didn't get back till late. You need help? Uh, so I just... With my route? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm okay. Thank you, though. I can help you. It's both, cute, you know, obviously cute and serendipitous, and also, like, 
a kind of, again, like a warning sign of things to come. And I love how every scene that both is charming is also like in the context of the ending, which you then kind of realize once you get to it is perfectly hinting at the the danger kind of of what's coming or the tragedy, I guess. Because, I mean, Shudder's passed out drunk on a school morning on some random person's lawn, can't find his car. So obviously his alcoholism is very serious. But then Amy doesn't see a problem with that because he's paying attention to her. So his her insecurity and kind of just lack of self-worth and self-confidence, her problems with that are also showing. But it's, again, just great camera work. I love the fading in from Sutter looking up at Amy's perspective, her looking down at him, and then, like, the cutting to the wide shot right after that, and then, you know, the tracking shot of them on the truck together. Yeah. It's just a really, again, a, a charming scene, but with layers of seriousness to it. Yeah. Um, and then just very minimal filmmaking. There's no, like, crazy needle drop. There's no, yes, like, yes. rapid... There's no like weird special effects like hearts or whatever around their heads like some movies do. It just uh it just works. I just really like it. There's no voiceovers. There's no like narration. You know, I feel like in yeah. a normal teen rom com or romance drama, you would have had like someone say, oh, "And that's when we met," or "That's when I first saw mm. her." <laughs> you know, that's when yeah. I first saw him, and we don't get that. I love that's the way you said it. Minimal filmmaking, but it's very effective because. Mm-hmm. No needle drop into an indie love song. No cut to them, like, smiling at each other with some song playing in the background. It's very... Mm-hmm. Boy meets girl, a great meet cute. I love meet mm-hmm. cutes. And this one is just so simple but so effective. I, I really like yeah. this one a lot. So I'm really glad you brought that up. One other scene I want to bring up that I think you might have on your list as well mm-hmm. is when Sutter finally meets his dad. Yes. Yeah, I, I have this one. this scene is really tragic and really sad for a lot of reasons, but the primary reason being that Sutter is finally seeing this guy that he's kind of built up in his head for a long time mm-hmm. as this mm-hmm. wonderful person, this image of a per- perfect dad, uh, someone who got kicked out by his really unfair mother. And yeah. then his realization that his dad is just a really terrible person. Yeah. Uh, I really have to give props to Miles Teller here because it is phenomenally acted without words almost it's really just all in the face oh my god i know all it's just devastating it really is devastating you could tell the way he's reacting to his father saying your mother didn't kick me out i left like oh man it is like a truck hits you and i really just i I love that moment as tragic as it is i love it yeah just like you said that that moment hits you like a a gut punch and but like you said too there's a lot of very subtle nuances to the scene and the facial expressions and like the phrases that Kyle Chandler says he kind of has a lot of tellers or sutters you know mannerisms in this scene mm-hmm. they're saying similar phrases and they are relating on some level but they're not relating on things that you would necessarily be proud of and when sutter sees it in his dad um at first he's like oh this is good we're alike and then when his dad says he he left then he's like oh god i'm a i'm like this person who left me and abandoned me i'm someone who would do that like that's who he's realizing um he's he's kind of he's emulating these things that he that shouldn't be emulated and he doesn't know how to handle it just thinking about it right now is making me sad (laughs) because it's it really is it's not yeah it's not an easy scene to watch because his father who is buying pictures of beer for his 18 year old son uh mm-hmm. clearly irresponsible and up to this point 
uh, Sutter Keeley has kind of just loved this idea of him. And mm-hmm. now that he's found out that he left and he's now actually leaving him again, that's the worst yeah. part. It's like not only does he find out he walked out on his family when he was a young kid, but he's walking out again. And he's walking out yeah. to what? To to have sexual relationship with some random girl at the bar? It's like yeah. it's so hard for him to handle. And that moment is it's a lot to, to take in. And it leads to the uh, scene where they start arguing in the car. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's just him coming to that realization that he's like his father more than he wants to admit and, you know, yeah. tries to kick... Uh, well, he does kick uh, Woodley's character out of the car, leading to her very shocking moment of getting hit by a car. <laughs> no kidding. I, was, <laughs> I I forgot it was in it, honestly, I forgot it happened, too. <laughs> I was rewatching it today, and she got hit by that car. I was like, oh, shit, I did not expect that to happen. <laughs> I completely forgot. But yeah. I'm glad we can agree that this is one of the more tragic and... and Gosh, mm-hmm. what a what a great moment uh, moment in the movie. We've talked a lot about sad moments. Let's yes. move to the flaws. Yeah. Definitely, find... <laughs> is it, it, the movie is a tough hang. Like I, we're doing a pod on it because we both love it. But I, I will say, I'm really trying hard to keep the mood up because, God, like the the last thirty minutes of this movie really are tough, yeah <laughs> tough to sit through without breaking down. I thought to myself as we're about to record this, I was like, man, I hope I can keep this like upbeat and positive. <laughs> and now we're talking about like three scenes that are just tragic yeah. and sad. Like, oh. I know it's like, yeah, bro, I just really love this scene where uh, <laughs> Miles Teller realizes he's a piece of crap alcoholic who abuses his friends. Dude, it's just great. I just love it. And it's like, yeah, hmm. well, yeah, really hard to talk about that. If you guys are still listening, thank you. It does get happier from here. Yes. Let's move to the flaws. I have flaws. What are they? Oh, I don't know. I sing in the shower. Sometimes I spend too much time volunteering. Occasionally I'll hit somebody with my car. I wrote down a flaw from a critic that I don't agree with at all, and I don't think you will agree it either. Okay. <laughs> but I wrote it down so we can talk <laughs> Probably about it. Probably not. The flaw says, The movie wasn't smart enough to deal with an interesting protagonist it started with, so it reverted to a trope. Noah Berlatsky of The Atlantic. This is weird because the consensus is that most critics agree that this movie doesn't revert to being a cliche romantic comedy or romantic drama, but this person does. Do you feel like at any point it reverts to being your typical romance drama? You know, and that it is really kind of confounding to me because I really feel like the film never truly does that. I mean, even the the sex scene between... Uh, Sutter and Amy is so intimate and so tender and so authentic like it's very awkward but they're two very young people it's not exploitive like you don't see anything it's just basically close up on their faces it's one two and a half minute take that is way against trope I mean that doesn't happen any teen movie romanticizes it and sexualizes it for the audience to kind of just get a rise out of them but yeah yeah this film doesn't do that and even with the ending, which it has a little, I definitely has optimism. I just don't see it being a trope because it's still not like, oh yes, it really it just all worked out great in the end. Like, no, it's yeah, it's still a really heavy ending. So I agree with you completely on everything you said, and I'm interested because I'm trying to think what trope does this movie actually utilize? Where what is it reverting to? Mm-hmm. I mean, if the trope is boy likes girl and girl likes boy am i okay i mean that's just that's a foundation of many film 
But it's just a foundation of storytelling. Exactly, but it's not like a trope. Every yeah point where it could have been a trope, it doesn't revert to that. And we've kind of already touched on that. The meat cute mm-hmm. doesn't go into some narration, some weird uh, montage of indie music and yeah. falling in love. Uh, there's no moments like that. Even the, the sex scene, the intimate scene between Amy and Sutter, like you said, I think it's very important. It's not over-sensationalized. Mm-hmm. It's not over-dramatic. It's really, it really is like a very intimate, intimate moment between two people um, who are in love. So I, I don't agree with this at all because it, to me, at no point does it revert to any of the tropes and even the ending like you said you mentioned narration in the past like the film does open with a brief narration and then it concludes with a brief narration but that narration doesn't pop up anywhere else and it's not like the narration is um that cliched either it's him writing his college application letter and so he's basically just reading it to the audience i don't necessarily see that as a trope i mean i guess you could just because it's narration but it's so minor in the context of the film i I can't see that just i can't see this critic watching it and be like oh narration in the last 20 seconds this movie sucks (laughs) that's (laughs) what i felt like this person did because even the narration at the very end it's not like he wrote the college application and got into his college and even like at the very end he's like I'm not even sure if I can turn this in anymore because it's been so late, but mm-hmm. I'm going to They don't try. show if he got in. Exactly. So it's like, it doesn't even when it has the potential and the option to go down the classic tropes that we've seen before, the movie doesn't either doesn't do it or it doesn't show it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I, I can't really find myself agreeing with this comment. Um, you know, yeah. I try to find their perspective some way, but when I'm looking at this, like you said, it's hard to find where they reverted to a trope. But some people just uh, just <laughs> trying to have a bad time. <laughs> I really just they're just I, trying to kill the vibe. I, guess I really so. don't get it. I guess so. Well, that was the one flaw. That's basically the main flaw. I mean, the movie had a 91, percent so most mm. people agreed this movie was pretty great. For sure. So let's move. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. Let's get some more fun things going on. Question: What kind of bear is best? It's a ridiculous question. False. Black bear. Here's a question for you. In terms of Miles Teller performances, do you prefer this or Whiplash? Ooh, that's a very good question. I actually think, oh, God, do I want to go with a really hot take here? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I don't know if it's that hot. Maybe it is, but. You know, I actually think that in terms of a full performance, I actually think he's better and spectacular now. I think so, too. Be- because so too. he doesn't have a J.K. Simmons to bounce off of he yep. is almost his own jk simmons in this film yeah yeah um you know he is i don't know he he's a complete character he goes on a complete journey from start to finish so he does that in whiplash whiplash too and i think they're they're really almost interchangeable i just think in terms of just based on performance now i like whiplash more as a film yeah um but i i do think that i think his performance is slightly better in spectacular now i think so too i think his performance wow, in whiplash wow we're just agreeing on everything this i time. know i know i know <laughs> i really think his performance whiplash is great but when i think of whiplash i obviously think of miles teller but it's really jk simmons movie definitely it's it's his movie he commands the screen every second he's on it miles teller is really phenomenal in that movie but like you said in this movie is it's really from him start to finish. He is the focus of the story in terms of his mm-hmm. character development. 
I think that there's a lot more layers to him in this movie that he's able to show. And uh, I mean, gosh, it's hard to say. It's like saying 1A, 1B. They're both so good. For sure. That it's not like I'm not saying Whiplash's performance is bad. It's, I think it's just slightly better in this movie. And honestly, he hasn't had a role this good or as good as whiplash since those two movies um, yeah yeah i think his career's taken a little bit of a, a little bit of a downturn i'm hoping top gun yeah you know playing goose's son maybe maybe it uh puts him back in the spotlight a little bit because i love miles teller i was i'm ho- still holding out hope that he becomes like uh almost not a leonardo dicaprio because there's only one leonardo dicaprio but just like a huge figure in film going forward i really like him as an actor I agree. I I was really hope he gets to that stardom level of you know DiCaprio and Pitt because I do mm-hmm. I do think he has the talent to get there. Oh, um, definitely. But yeah, after these movies, I I saw pieces of War Dogs. I wasn't like a real big fan of that movie. He was in like yeah, a, it's okay. He was in that boxing movie I never saw. Um, and then he was in Fant Four Stick, baby. He was in what? Fant Four Stick. What or, is that? You know, F- fantastic four. Oh my gosh he was no one calls it fantastic four because of the way the title's designed oh so. yeah. <laughs> which character was he in that oh he was he was mr, mr. Fantastic. fantastic oh yeah. man that was like kind of his shot at being in the, you know, the whole marvel thing but uh unfortunately he attached himself to josh trank who was yeah. a hack, so. yikes yeah well I hope Top Gun brings us back into a Miles Teller renaissance because I think he's very talented. Um, playing Goose's son. I think his name is Rooster, maybe. I could be wrong. Maybe that's just his call sign. Yeah, I mean, that's his call sign. Yeah, his call sign is Rooster. I'm, yeah. pretty, I'm pretty sure. but um, that'd, be, that'd be fresh. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I'm really excited for that movie. I'm ready for it to mm-hmm. come out. It's 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 about time, man. Um, here are a couple movies that I completely forgot Brie Larson was in because this is how I feel about Spectacular Now. Is that I completely okay. forgot that she was in? Scott Pilgrim versus the World, mm-hmm. Thirteen Going on Thirty, and Twenty One Jump Street are three movies that Brie Larson's in that I always forget that she's in. Of these three movies, Yo. which one's your favorite? She's in Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, she's like the love interest <laughs> to Schmidt in the in the what? first one. Yeah. Dude, wow, I don't I, remember that at all. Exactly. You'll have to look it up and be like, "Whoa, she is in that." That's weird. I knew she was in Thirteen Going on Thirty because I watched it recently and. I just got to say one off topic, but Mark Ruffalo in that movie, man, what what a guy. Dreamy. But anyways, <laughs> yes, let's just put it out there. Anyways. Oh, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I, I knew movie. she was in that, but I really do not remember her in uh, 21 Jump Street at all. Yeah. And I like that movie. Uh, she's in that movie. And then tw- and Scott Pilgrim, I think there's just so many people in Scott Pilgrim that a lot of people mm-hmm. forget she's... You know, yeah, the, the main that, talk about stat cast here. Oh Lord. yeah, <laughs> insane, insane. But of these three movies that Brie Larson's in, which one's your favorite? Oh, that out of my favorite. Oh, definitely Scott Pilgrim. I think that's uh, like third best comic book movie ever made. So, oh yeah, I think it's top tier. Edgar Wright too. It's so weird to me when people. It's say, my favorite from him by I, a lot. I think it's my second favorite. I really like Shaun of the Dead a lot. Shaun but... of the Dead's good. I don't know. I'm not as big on that. We might okay. disagree there a little bit. Oh, well, we're bound to get our first disagreement of the podcast, so it's fine. <laughs> but uh, Scott Pilgrim is is excellent, and I always find it weird when people don't like it because I feel like it just has everything you want for that kind of movie. So. For sure. All right, all right. Let's form some ranks today. I have here two things for you to rank. 
Okay. The first thing is A24 coming of age movies, which surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, A24 does a lot of. So Yeah, it's like their bread and butter, you might say. It is like their bread and butter. (laughs) Of the following movies, how would you rank them? We have Spectacular Now, Lady Bird, Eighth Grade, and Mid-90s. How do you rank these four movies? Ooh, golly. Are we including Moonlight on there? Because that's kind of a coming-of-age so, movie, too. I was, but that's like, it's almost unfair to put Moonlight on Because it's number one. List. Yeah, it's, it's like just... Moonlight Zero, everything else kind of after that. Exactly. So okay. that's why I, I... I didn't put on there, because I was like, this is obviously Moonlight's number one. Okay, okay, cool. I just wanted to clarify, because I was yeah. like, that's definitely my number one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to put in 20th Century Women, but I didn't know if you had seen it already. Have you seen mm, it? I have seen it. Uh, okay. I, let's let's include it because I I really like that one. <laughs> okay. So and I haven't seen mid 90s, so maybe bump that one off. So we'll take these four. So 20th Century Woman, Eighth Grade, Lady Bird, and The Spectacular Now. How do you rank these? From four being your least favorite and one being your most favorite. Okay. Well, I, I do like all these films. But I'm going to go 8th grade at 4. I really like it. Impressive debut from Bo Burnham. Very cringe. Hard to watch. Uh, It's hard for me to get through. (laughs) And I think that's why it's 4 is because I saw it and I was like, that's great. I'm never seeing that again. Um, (laughs) It wasn't like an enjoyable watch. (laughs) Not at Um, all. Not at all. And so then at 3, I'm going to go Lady Bird. Um, This is hard because this is, I mean, Lady Bird's like, almost a perfect movie i i love ladybird um yeah my sister went to a private catholic school so she definitely related a lot to it and so we had great conversations about it um that's three and i like 20th century women a lot i think there's a, a lot to love with that and greta gerwig's in it um uh, and annette benning's in it uh, just the cast is like stacked Elle fanning's in it as well i i, I love that one but then, out of all these, I got to go spectacular now. One, um, I think it kind of just, I think it was a really one. It's great, and I love it. And I think it set the tone too for like the brand that A twenty four is, which is like yeah, taking established genres with established tropes and established beats, and then doing them with a more artful lens, with a more uh, grounded lens sometimes, or just a more, um, I don't know, just just a higher level of filmmaking. Yeah, uh, yeah. Than I totally what a regular studio would. So I, I think this kind of starts spectacular. Now is kind of like the genesis of a twenty four in a lot of ways. That's perfectly said. I like that ranking. I'm going to rank it differently though. Okay. So what you, what you at got? four, I will agree. Eighth grade, very cringe, hard to watch. I think that's part of why I like it because it is cringy. Gucci. I say Gucci all the time because of that movie. I will. Yeah, admit no. that now. Um, <laughs> I, I, what I really love about it is I think the authenticity behind it is really admirable it's mm-hmm. scary at points how yeah much i like cringe because like these are eighth graders are using snapchat in their phones and they're you know mm-hmm. sending each other nude it's like really hard to watch but sadly i think that's just the reality of our world now and i think that's why mm-hmm. it's so hard to watch it's because someone's shoving it in our face and saying this is yeah, what's happening definitely. now I don't want to go on an eighth grade tangent, but the pool scene when she goes to a pool party, I think is oh, one God. of my favorite scenes in A24 movies. It's so brilliant and so relatable to an introvert like me. I like could hardly look at the screen, though. <laughs> exactly. I think that's why it's just I think everybody at some point in their life or maybe not everybody at most people 
have had a moment like that where they get to a party that maybe they didn't want to go to or they're forced to go to and then they have to you know wear a bathing suit in front of all these people it's um it's really hard to watch because i feel like it's so relatable and that's why mm-hmm. i like it but still eighth grade sits at my number four number three i'm actually gonna go 20th century women i love it okay i really really love it but yeah um at number two i'm gonna go the spectacular now Ooh, which okay. I really love as well. Yeah. But number one, I have to give it to Lady Bird. I think. Yeah, it's a brilliant film. It's a really brilliant film. It's rare, not rare, but I feel like we don't see enough mother-daughter movies like it, and that's why I hold. That's very true. Special, yeah, it's such a special place for me. I mean, I'm not obviously I'm not a daughter, but like I just feel that that mother-daughter relationship. I don't see it enough in film, and I really, really like that about that movie. So, yeah. Lady Bird takes my number one spot on the A24 okay. coming of age movies. Obviously, Moonlight would be number one, but you know we're trying to keep Moonlight Not out fair. because <laughs> it's a little unfair. What do you have for me to rank today? All right. So this one might be a little broad, but I think it's important given we've been talking a lot about teen romance films. Uh, what's your top five teen romance films? All right. Get ready for this. Buckle up. Okay. Make sure you're <laughs> strapped in for this one. Got some hot have, takes incoming? I have five movies here that I thought of as quickly as possible. Okay. Okay, I'm going for comfort, for love, for things I just enjoy. Sure. Not so much as uh, masterful filmmaking. Okay. Number well, one. they can go hand in hand sometimes. They can sometimes, but it won't for this list, trust me. Uh, number five, in terms of teen romance movies, give me Grease mm-hmm. 2. And I'm saying Grease 2, not Grease 1. Grease 2. There are a lot of people out there who may have not Damn. seen it because it's like, oh, Grease 2? Who the hell would watch Grease 2? I watch <laughs> Grease 2. And it is a banger. I'm telling you, every song Man. slaps. It is so good. Michelle Pfeiffer is, I have like the biggest crush on her still because of that movie. <laughs> it's, you it's, know, it goes hard. It goes hard. I have seen it out of morbid curiosity and I remember liking it. It was a while ago. Recently, I actually had a Grease conversation with my mom. She didn't even know there was a Grease 2, which kind of yeah. shows you the cultural resonance that it has. I respect the <laughs> boldness of that take. Yeah, well, I'll have to revisit it, but yeah, that not on my Please list. Revisit it. <laughs> it. I know it's not on your list, but there's been a somewhat Grease 2 resurgence. Uh, if you go on Letterboxd and go through the reviews, there's a lot of people on there like, dude, Grease 2 supremacy right now. I love it. Yeah. It's, uh, it feels pretty good, but that's a number five spot. All right, what you got at four, man? Number four, I have Clueless which I feel like is a little mm. cliche, but it's clueless. Look, I will say I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to see it oh, soon. It's, it's um, fun. I, it's I already fun. know I'm going to like it. So respect to the pick. I mean, it's based off a Jane Austen novel. So it's foundation is solid. You can't really go wrong. It's it's just good. for sure. It's just really good. Number three, I'm going to go Easy A with Ooh, great um, pick. Emma Stone, like which I really love that movie. I feel like it's on TV all the time and I'm perfectly fine just watching it every single time it's on. Stanley Tucci in that film. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. That relationship is like what every marriage should like strive to be. That marriage <laughs> right there. It is a fantastic, yeah. fantastic role. Um, number two, I got to go Juno. I think Juno mm. has been overlooked in the past. That was a big Oscar five, movie. Five, ten years. It was a huge Oscar movie. I revisited it once about a year and a half ago and was surprised by how much it held up. I thought it was really charming still really great i think the performance is a lot of fun great cast in that movie too so oh, that's yeah. where i put it, number two but number one 
you can't beat 10 things i hate about you and i'm just gonna oh man just always revert to 10 things i hate about you as the pinnacle of teen romance movies to okay me. there's just no beating it and i will always always love that movie well i love that pick hit me with your five nate we only got one in common um oh no i guess is it grease too <laughs> yes it's grease too grease too is number one actually oh nice. I lied. all right okay so at number uh, five i gotta go john hughes 16 candles okay um, fair fair so I'm disqualifying like Ferris Bueller and Breakfast Club because there's romance in it, sure, but it's not, they're not like romance films when I think of like a romance movie as like the focus of it. So yes, 16 yes. Candles, it's foundational, has aged uh, questionably, I will say, which is why it's only at five, but Fair. I do like the film a lot. Number four, I'm going Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Oh, uh, I haven't that, seen that. Okay, well, it's great. Um, okay. That was a uh, rough theater-going experience. Uh, my mom took me, like, after, like, I think it was after maybe my junior year of high school finished. She's like, let's go see a movie. And we just went because we were both free. Like, she was off of work or something. And we went and saw Mio and the Dying Girl because we thought it was just, like, a comedy. And, um, yeah, it was not that. I mean, it was funny. It's certainly funny and really artful, and I really liked it. But, um, yeah, it was a soaking wet mess of tears <laughs> oh, after no. that film completed i, I was for that oh. yeah uh it, it's it's a lot but it's really good okay um, okay number three i'm going richard linklater's everybody wants some oh um, because okay. good pick, good pick. fringe of teen and adult but uh since it's about freshmen in college i'm including it in teen they could be that's, 19 that's teenagers that's still that's fair um it's just a pure vibe arguably the best college movie or one of them um, Zoe Deutsch in that film uh, is really great. It's kind of one of her coming out parties as an actress. And I'm trying to remember the name of the lead guy in it. He's good, but not as good as Zoe Deutsch, which is why I remember her name and not his. But I still think it's a great hang. Basically a spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused, which definitely isn't focused on romance, which is why it isn't here. But yeah, really like Everybody Wants Some. Number two, I'm going spectacular now, actually. I really love spectacular now as we've talked about so i'll just leave it at that and number one i'm going 10 things i hate about you there we and go that's not just to appeal to you uh <laughs> i did not know actually no i've listened to your episode on it and i love the film i didn't realize that it was your favorite uh teen romance film and so when you said that i i laughed uh, away from the mic to try not to give away spoilers but uh yeah it's just a, it's perfect it's shakespeare it adaption joseph gordon levitt uh, julia styles heath ledger in what is unironically my favorite heath ledger performance i think it is the definition of a movie star performance yeah uh, i think he that's is so charming so lovable in that scene I, I don't care who you are if you watch that film and didn't fall in love with heath ledger by the end of that film i don't know what's wrong with you so thousand percent yeah. agree with you i fall in love with him every single time i watch it it is I, like i said i think it's the pinnacle of teen romance comedies it is so good I, I don't think there's a soul out there who just doesn't enjoy watching it. It's fun. It's good. It's just a just a solid, solid movie. Mm-hmm. Boy, gosh, now I'm going to watch that movie All right. now. I'm going yeah. to watch that movie to cleanse my palate off of this very sad movie we just watched. Very true. Well, now that we've done the impossible task of ranking our favorite ro- teenage romantic films, we are now at the end of our podcast. We've talked a lot about The Spectacular now. We're both very sad inside we're both yeah, this, this was podcast. a this <laughs> was a journey <laughs> <laughs> it was a journey it's funny i thought to myself going into this it's gonna be a lot of fun i was telling my fiance about it and she's like 
It's a really sad movie, though. I'm like, oh, you're, you're right. <laughs> really it is kind of a sad movie. Hopefully, <laughs> it's a happy episode. But you know what? It's a fantastic movie. What are your final thoughts you want to share before we close out? Yeah, and I mean, I mentioned it briefly, but I really just think like a what a twenty four was uh, was kind of codified in 2013 between Under the Skin and this, both uh, very much genre films. Um, one operating in sci-fi, obviously this one operating in romance, but both sharing a lot of similarities in terms of the low budget nature of them and the fact that they're taking an established genre and then doing new things with it and mm-hmm. kind of establishing A24 as they are the studio that gives them a small budget and then lets the filmmakers cook and let the stars do what they want to do. They don't really give notes. They kind of just let the filmmakers do what they want to do and with that, I think is why we they've produced some of the best genre films and some of the best films of the past, uh, de- I mean, I guess almost a decade now. They've almost been around yeah. 10 years. I think that's perfectly said. The fact that this comes in in 2013, Under the Skin is 2013, two movies that are just hard romance, hard sci-fi, right? But mm-hmm. two movies that are taking this very uh, classic genre and doing new things with it that are Mm -hmm. maybe we wouldn't see if a 24 didn't exist. I'm sure eventually someone would have done it, but yeah, it's just breaking the mold of a studio giving notes like, well, we need to sell merchandise of Sutter and Amy. So would they got to have this cute little scene with music and stuff so we can market it? Like they're like, no, the story is what it is. You just got to let it do, let it be that. Yes. And that's what I love about this particular movie. And, about almost all A24 movies is that it they took a story and they let it be you know they didn't have to revert to the tropes as the guy from the Atlantic says they did I don't think they did at all um, yeah. and that's what makes this movie so different but also For so sure. good so I'm glad that you love it I love it let's both be happy regardless sure. of the movie <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I have to go watch a crime film to cleanse my palate of this <laughs> yeah just watch heat just spend the next three hours watching heat you'll feel better don't worry yeah, well don't tempt me <laughs> <laughs> we have now reached the end Nate you've hit the trifecta the triple crown of triple crown three times in a row you'll be back not next week but you'll be back in May for a Marvel episode I definitely um, will for the third time, remind people where we can find you. For sure. You can follow me at All Things Reviewed on Instagram. I do rankings, do reviews, uh, post my just film thoughts on there. And you can also um, follow me on Letterboxd at NH Spencer. That's kind of where I, that's obviously where I log all the things that I watch. And you can see how little a life I have outside of watching movies. So yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what Letterboxd was meant to do, so don't worry. Totally. Perfect. And make sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at House of Cinema. Next week, we'll be back with another A24 episode. I can't remember what episode I'm doing. I think I'm doing Uncut Gems. So it'll be a conversation Ooh, on Uncut Gems. There we go. I'm excited That'll to listen to That'll be a wild that. ride. Uh, I'm excited as well. But for now, Nate, thank you again for being on. You'll be back Absolutely. in May. Everybody else, thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.